Welcome to For the Life of Me podcast, where I share musings and perspectives on how we really, truly live a life divine, even in times when there's so much turmoil, suffering, and uncertainty on the planet, with a perspective and using our will and divine intention, we can transform our reality into a beautiful, sacred life. This week, I'm so excited and blessed and honored to welcome my dear friend, world-renowned Vedic astrologer, Charlotte Benson. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you, dear. Charlotte has just been this cherished guide. I jokingly call her the Vedic fairy godmother. And usually once a year, sometimes every six months, I would reach out to Charlotte and book a session and she would go over the Vedic blueprint or life print for my life and give me sort of pointers and things to meditate on, on what I could look forward to or maybe look out for in my own life. And I have to say that for me, over all these years, probably in excess of a decade, um, you have just been a treasured ally along my path. And I, I'm really, really grateful for you and the work that you do. The thing about you, dear, is that you're already so intelligent and so willing to make your life a better place <laughs> by aligning yourself with natural cycles. And of course, that's the entire point of somebody going to an astrologer or talking to somebody like me. You know, it's my job to identify where the planets are and suggest the highest and best use of that energy. It's a really delicate, complex, ancient information technology. But on the other hand, it's really pretty straightforward. You do your best to do the, the best thing for yourself at the right time. So before we get into um, to the reading, this is very, very exciting and I think very beneficial because I've asked Charlotte to speak on the current times as far as the planetary condition and what we can expect or acknowledge in a way of energetic environment that we find ourselves in during this time. And my hope is that it's going to offer all of us listening to this podcast some foundation but before we get into that, I really want to, um, I wanted to ask you to share with us your background in Joytish, and, and Joytish is the name for Vedic astrology, but you are quite accomplished in this field and carry many titles. And I did hear actually that you were even on the road with Loggins and Messina as their tour astrologer. Okay. I was hoping to avoid that simply because I have four planets in Pisces and you know, kind of a private person, but I'll tell you about my qualifications, mainly so that your listeners will, will at least understand that I know what I'm talking about here. I've been a professional full-time practicing astrologer for 49 years now. I was a teenage bride. My first husband put an astrology book in my hands long ago and said, here, you study this, you'll be good at this. But even going further back than that, when I was in India one fine day, I remember going around to visiting local, the local Jyotishis or the local village astrologers, and they would calculate my chart. 
We were sitting on a dirt floor in the middle of the jungle someplace, and they were using a green chalkboard to calculate my chart. Anyway, they would look at it, stare at me in disbelief, look at it again, and and be completely uh, astonished by the fact. I mean, I went to five different astrologers. They all said the same thing. They said, you are a world-famous female Jyotishi in the West. Now, none of those ideas made sense to them. First of all, ladies didn't do astrology, and they certainly didn't, certainly didn't do Vedic astrology in the West. But um, from, from each one of those astrologers, I heard the same thing, that I had been an astrologer in my previous five lifetimes. So as obscure as that sounds, that actually makes sense to me because, you know, what's a nice Western girl like me doing doing Jyotish, as you say. So I, I had the luxury of being able to study astrology from way back in the day. And I started practicing with clients immediately. Here in the wild west of Arizona, there were no astrology teachers. There were hardly any astrology books for that matter. So I, I somehow managed to teach myself and practice on my unsuspecting clients and somehow it worked out. So because I recognize astrology as being a sacred science, I took it upon myself to become as well-educated and credentialed as I could possibly be. Didn't want to promote myself or my work, but I did want to promote the beauty and the usefulness of authentic astrology. Actually, when I started practicing astrology, it was illegal here in Phoenix. You know, you think about that, that is bizarre. And astrologers had such a bad reputation you know, possibly justifiably. So the American College of Vedic Astrology is essentially the the Harvard of uh, education in astrology, at least in the Western world. It's online, available to anyone. I highly recommend you checking out the American College of Vedic Astrology because I want to be a, an ambassadress for the possibility of people understanding that the professional practice of Vedic astrology is a viable career option. The world is in dire need these days, I think, of good, intelligent, practicing Jyotishis. Now, that word Jyotishi, the name for Vedic astrology is Jyotish, J-Y-O-T-I-S-H. That means the science of light. So a practicing Vedic astrologer is known as a Jyotishi. Um, it is so, so wonderful to hear you share all of that. And while, you know, none of us are going to understand, you know, those terms or those titles, I just did want you to speak on that because, you know, there are a lot of not serious astrologers or people who fancy themselves to be astrologers. And I can't say in my awareness that I think that Joytish is a complete, complete, complete science, like without any area that needs to be developed or that might be missing. But I, I can say from my own experience that I find exact correlations in my life. Now, the one thing that I want to offer listeners, and I want to make sure that when we use astrology, that we maintain our sovereignty, that you understand that you are not necessarily... Uh, defined by your chart, meaning there's no place for you to go. We can transform any chart through devotion, through heart. And so the purpose of seeing the, the Vedic chart is to see what the, what the map is, identify where the challenges are, identify where the opportunities are, and then align our actions 
to travel through in maybe more ease or more grace, or maybe just more awareness if it's a very difficult period that that is just the energy that is defining that point in our lives. And the other reason why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation, I'm so grateful for you is that, you know, we, we both were familiar. I think you were a closer friend. I was just a one-time client of the individual named Chakrapani, who was one of the most revered Vedic astrologers who lived in the West. And he left his body a few years ago now, I think. And I was lucky enough to go sit with him and have a session. And it was one of the most beautiful moments. We laughed our butts off and he was (laughs) just delightful in every way. And he would tell me all these things about my life. You know, for instance, he would look at my chart and then he said, you have no possibility of a good relationship with your father. And I would go, you know, that's true. That's actually true. It's been the entire uh, pattern of my life. And he would smile at me and say, I know it's right here. (laughs) And then he would tell me these things about my life. And I I would say, you know, that's true. I wrote a book. He'd say, you know, you're you have a very strong uh, indication in the house of publishing. You're going to write many books. And I was like, that's true. I wrote a book and he would laugh at me and say, I know I'm looking at it right here. Like it was this disconnect between me thinking that he was doing some kind of psychic fortune telling and him saying, no, I can see it right here. Like it's defined in your planets. So um, Charlotte, how did you know Chakrapani and, and what, tell us a little bit about him from your perspective. I had the great good fortune to be fairly close to Chakrapani, basically at at conferences through the American College of Vedic Astrology. Back in the early days, I was often in charge of the dignitaries. I I learned so much from him just driving around in my car with him. He actually did my chart several times as a gift for me. Now that Chakrapani has left this plane, uh, of course, I have a lot of his clients you know, well, I'll be discussing something about their chart and invariably say, yes, that's what Chakrapani said. He said, you know, this quaint phrase. Of course, I'm saying it in my Western way, but Chakrapani was full of pretty good sound bites, wasn't he? And, and he had a, he had quite a sense of humor. I remember one time at a conference, I was in charge of Chakrapani. Um, I mean, by that, I mean, I was taking him someplace or something. I had to do something else. And I thought I would a, a safe place for him to hang out for uh, 10 minutes would be the bar at the hotel. People were, after I told him this story, they were horrified that I'd left Chakrapani in a bar. He was delighted. He said, oh, I've never been in a bar before. Thank you. But, you know, that, that, he had a sense of humor and he taught me a lot. So it's oh, so beautiful. The thing about Vedic astrology is it's not a it's not a feel good, you know, uh, tell me how amazing I am science. It's an actual true picture of life. And life is full of, you know, many tests and trials and difficulties. And so, you know, if you want somebody to tell you you're, you know, you're lucky and you're pretty and you're always going to win and and just build your ego up, then Vedic astrology is probably not the place for you to hang out. <laughs> so. Yes, true that. True, right? So we're here during this profound time in this moment of transformation. You know, we're recording this in July. It's actually July 23rd of 2020. I think this is a great time for me to just hand this over to you and let us know what you 
think we can expect or what is the state of our world according to Vedic astrology? I'll be very happy to comment on this. A birth chart is basically shows you where your default settings are, your default settings. Default settings can be changed with practice and application and determination. So along those lines, we, we can extrapolate that concept into where the planets are in the sky right now. It's almost like there's a parallel universe in play right now. You know, to quote Charles Dickens from A Tale of Two Cities, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. So what I'm offering here is just simply identifying where the planets are in the sky right now. And as you well know, if you look up uh, in the sky occasionally, you'll see that there's a lot of planets. They have different portfolios and they, they move at different speeds and they combine with each other in infinitely varied ways. You won't be bored if you're watching your planets. Everything is always shifting. The slowest moving planet in our solar system is Pluto. And in spite of what the astronomers say, Pluto is the most powerful and influential planet in the solar system. Now, by some strange coincidence, she says, ironically, Pluto entered the star pattern of Capricorn on February 24th, 2020, the exact day of the first plunge in the stock market, at least the U.S. stock market. Now, since I'm a Westerner, since I'm an American, most of what I'm looking at is going to sort of applies basically to Americans, although the effect is global. But there's a big cluster of planets in the early part of the constellation, the actual star pattern of Capricorn, the sea goat. This is why Vedic astrology did so deadly accurate is because we're identifying the positions of planets against the actual constellations just as an astronomer or a scientist would do. So back to early Capricorn. It just so happens there's a very rare combination of really, you know, let's be honest, difficult planets, that being Pluto, Saturn, and Ketu in early Capricorn. Now, Capricorn as a constellation is associated with, with institutions or, you know, just to use a, a current meme, you know, anything that's too big to fail. Uh, insurance companies, banks, world governments, political institutions. So for the first time in 248 years, Pluto is back uh, to this place where there is dissent and revolution. Now, our astute listeners might recognize, oh, Pluto has a 248-year cycle. This means that Pluto must have been about this position when the United States was formed. Yes, as Chakrapani would say, you are correct. So we're having our Pluto return. This has never happened before. This indicates, in, this is my terminology, a near-death experience of democracy. Now, Julie Srimati, I am not here to discourage your listeners. I am here rather to say, as Chakrapani might, this is a serious situation. You know, we need to guard our thoughts about this. That's my key message, is that, yes, there is no doubt about it. These planets are clustered together. It's serious. It's a problem to be solved, as I say so optimistically. But in the meantime, until the problem is solved, however we identify whatever the problem is, we as individuals actually were huge contributors to the outcome. I believe, this is my personal opinion about this, that I believe that individuals 
can have a real bearing on the outcome based on the quality of the thoughts that they are thinking. Now, you might say, well, yes, Charlotte, everybody knows that. Well, maybe everybody knows that, but if so, it bears repeating. The solution I'm suggesting is not, not merely happy thoughts or pixie dust. I believe that the solution is on an individual level of while we're riding out the quarantine and every other major inconvenience and all the pain and fear and loss and lack that is widespread globally, in the meantime, we have control over our thoughts, don't we? Our thoughts, words, and deeds. This is a remarkable opportunity to rise up individually and own the crisis and respond to it by thinking the most elevated, positive, creative, life-affirming, forward-looking thoughts that we can. Or, no, so let me just interject. So what you're saying then is that that there is this potential or this opportunity for us to be creating our own experience by actually being involved in the formation as universal creators to envision the world we would like and speak, think, and act that into being despite all appearances to the contrary. That is correct. That is exactly the way I would put it. I mean, this is obviously a, a breakdown cycle. Pluto is a planet of birth and death and rebirth or birth and death and transformation. So we have to keep our eyes on the, the net result of this somewhere down the road of the transformation. Obviously, the planet could not continue in the way, way it was going on with full speed ahead 24-7 for years at a time. Obviously, something has to collapse. We're in the, the collapse and the destructions phase now. But even in this prolier or this destruction of the, you know, our life as we know it, we must remember to be heroic. Remember, I, I said a moment ago that we're, we're sort of having the experience of being in parallel universes. I mean, what I just described was the, maybe it's not the worst possible scenario, but it's getting close to that, you know, just because we could not continue the way that, that we were. But also, oddly enough, the other parallel universe that I'm referring to is the fact that as it happens, uh, even right now, there are a lot of planets in their best positions. Seven out of nine planets in their best positions in mid-September of 2020. There's opportunities now between now and mid-September to inwardly identify your own mission statement or vision statement or what you believe in, what you believe to be true. Jupiter, the planet of evolution, is in the sign of Sagittarius, philosophy and belief system. Uh, it says, you know, extend your range of un understanding. I mean, as a practical matter, that could help. Also, currently, Saturn is in the constellation of Capricorn. This says, set goals for yourself. I'm giving you the condensed version of this, believe it or not. But, but um, Saturn is the planet of, of, uh, of budgets, timelines, goals, being able to sacrifice immediate gratification for long-term gratification. So... I mean, a simple, I mean, as a simple exercise, I don't know, I would say write down goals every day. Saturn likes structure. Anything that you're doing right now, while, while these two planets, while Jupiter is retrograde and Saturn is retrograde, 
I do want to emphasize for your listeners that are familiar with the concepts of retrograde planets, that this is not bad. It's just means that the, the, the exercise may be more subjective. Yeah. So what you're saying is focus on your inner, your inner voice. What, what is true for you? And, you know, when my spiritual community, my mentorship program is all techniques that draw the being back into their own truth. So it's like, we're in this retrograde, we're in this moment of transformation, we're being asked to define our missions. And this takes this inner communion with your heart and with, you know, really just your perspective. We all are entirely unique life forms. So this is not the time to be getting your direction from the external. It is the time for you to be getting your inner direction. And I think that's what you were just speaking to. That is correct. To invoke Chakrapani again. I, I think that doing this kind of inner work that I just, you know, did, that I just alluded to is going to start to pay off after mid-September. Oh, I, I, I did actually want to mention too, if I may, that, that currently Mars, the planet of tools, weapons, and action, is in the constellation of Pisces, the sign of spirituality until uh, August 16th. So this says, sharpen up your spiritual practice. I mean, whatever that is, meditating, praying, fasting, chanting, mantras, selfless service, whatever that is. Mars is in Pisces. This says that you you develop yourself and contribute to the outside world in a material way by using your spiritual abilities. Now, after the middle of August, Mars will enter Aries. And then it says, yeah, you can leave the ashram or leave your meditation room and go out there and fight the good fight in, you know, perhaps a more, I don't know, a more straightforward or more physical or more material way. You're not meant to be passive. You're meant to take up arms against the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Let's let's go back to the, I mean, now we're about ready to go into September. So let's talk about those seven planets that are, that are in their best position. This is a long-term transformational experience, as I understand it. Yes. No, well, th- no, thank you for direction. You know me, I can go on. I hope it's interesting or useful. But, you know, that's the thing about looking at the cosmos. My goodness, there is so much to look at. Okay, so just addressing what everybody asks me about the uh, the COVID-19 situation. Yes, sadly, that's it's not going away anytime soon. It is a lonely position where people are meant to bring out their hidden talents while they're in solitary or while they're in isolation. In a certain really broad way, I sort of... Uh, I didn't laugh about this, but I I said to myself, well, isn't that amusing? This is the perfect time for people to be isolated from each other because of the the symbology of Uttara Ashadha and the most powerful planet in the solar system just entering that, that position recently. So I have to say that if it's comfort at all to, to your listeners, if you are alone, I mean, please recognize that you don't have to be lonely. It's appropriate. It's a natural nature knows best, right? It's natural right now for people to be in their own orbits. This is not punitive. This can be very productive. And there will be several planets in Uttara Ashadha at least until the third week in January, the third week in January of 2021. I don't mean that to sound uh, ominous or bad news. You know, the, the value of going to an astrologer or talking to somebody like me is to say, there's this condition that's going to prevail for a certain a length of time. I'm not saying, you know, cave in, 
but I'm saying pace your expectations. There's an evolutionary reason for this. I'm not saying like my mom would be, be patient, but something along those lines, I guess I'm saying pace yourself, continue to do your interior work while this is, this is going on anyway. You might as well just go with the program as unusual as it is. So in a certain way to, to finally address your question, I'm saying that, you know, it's quite possible it'll take until at least the third week in January for things to, for things to smooth out. I do have to also offer that things will not be back to the way that they were. That's over and done with. We're going to have to adjust to this major change here. This is a new epoch. Can you just, just tell us about the Kali Yuga and what it is? What is a yuga? Geez, I don't know. Virtually incalculable length of time. There are, uh, what, three or four yugas. The golden yuga, the uh, silver yuga, the bronze yuga, and then the, the dark yuga, the Kali yuga, which we are in now. I mean, we're apparently on the ascending cycle of the Kali Yuga, depending on some classic measurements, but they go on for hundreds of thousands of years. This is a, a transformation and, and one that we've been incarnated for, that we actually, many of us took a body to participate in this. So um, this is really the time for us to realize that, you know, we are the ones we've been waiting for and uh, no one else is coming to save you. It's, it's about you. So get some sort of touch points about your life and use that as a map to go on an inner journey and really identify what you came here to evolve, transform any experience into one of divinity. And that is through will and perspective. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly, dear. And astrology is good for refining time periods when you can really take advantage of something. I say that, I say take advantage in the most loving way. Everybody has their own their own individual high tides and low, low tides. So, you know, identifying how the planets are collaborating with you, I think that's a, a valuable approach. You know, sometimes when I, I meet with clients, I tell them that they can choose their own thoughts. And even really successful, highly educated clients go, oh my gosh, that's right. I can choose my own thoughts. It's like, well, yeah, who else is thinking your thoughts? I mean, but I remind people, I know that's elementary. Well, as a matter of fact, I remind myself of that every single day. Charlotte, that's a low-minded thought. How could you even possibly think that? What's wrong with you? Mind your own business is what I say to myself along the lines of, of again, choosing your own thoughts. And I think too, that just as another sort of a technique, I listen to uh, Sanskrit mantras throughout the day. You know, mantra means to protect your mind. And I find myself, when I'm not listening to mantras, they're sort of running through my, they're running through my head like a song, you know, like a song lyric, not like Baby Shark, but kind of like Baby Shark, that Baby Shark song, where it sort of replaces my low-minded uh, thoughts with, you know, some hymn to a Davy or something along those lines. So, you know, there's plenty of Sanskrit mantras available on YouTube, and I highly recommend them to people. They're both calming and creative. So. That's something. Do you have somebody to recommend that does YouTube mantras that you like? Who I came across, I can feel that she's pronouncing the Sanskrit correctly, is spelled G-A-I-E-A, -A, Sanskrit. And um, well, what I really like is her, her mantras for VAK, V-A-K. That means true speech. 
So again, her name is spelled G-A-I-E-A -E Sanskrit. So just as a, you know, that's a practical matter, the Sanskrit mantras. Definitely. And, you know, you're right. I mean, I, I also um, sing them and also have recorded a, a few uh, music tracks using mantra. And, you know, when you chant just a bit, it's the track that's in your head. That is what is in there rather than random thoughts. And um, I think you told me that I have life punya from chanting uh, Sanskrit. So um, yes, I always remembered do. that. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have Jupiter in your fifth house. Congratulations. Yes, you've got quite the lovely chart, dear. Yeah, you're going to have a fabulous you. November. Yes. Thank you. What is the outlook from September? Let's talk about those seven planets that are exalted in September. And then from there to January, how are we going? Let's see, just to hit the highlights here, the main inflection points are, uh, we, we, we need to guard our thoughts specifically after Mercury enters the water sign of Cancer on the 1st of August. Our intellectual mind be may become more emotional. So that's one thing. Again, something useful, as I, I just alluded to briefly, was that Mars enters the sort of forward straight ahead sign of Aries on August 16th. That August 16th period is, that's also an inflection period where there's a few planets changing signs and that, that often means things can be a little bit wobbly. So the 15th, 16th of August, again, be more due diligent, but it also says to remember to take care of your physical body. I, I guess exercise and yoga and that sort of thing. Um, I've got more to say toward the end of the year, but I want to really focus on mid-September. Here's the thing about mid-September, when there are seven out of nine planets in their strong position in constellations. Now, this has not happened for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and will not reform for hundreds of hundreds of years in the future. No matter what the exterior circumstances are, there's room for, for each of us individually well, I hope this doesn't sound corny, but this is the best I could come up with, to think our best thoughts and to commit ourselves to manifesting whatever outcome comes from our best thoughts, ideas, conceptions. This is particularly true on or around September 12th, September 13th, the 14th, in that range. Any kind of intentional act before the sun starts to sink in the western horizon in that part in that time of the day on the 11th 12th 13th 14th of this September i would say you know please do something intentional to to set the your your sun cult for the next i don't know it benefits individuals it will eventually through a cumulative effect benefit the planet i hope let me just tell everybody. So sankalpa means like divine vow or wish. Am I yes. correct on that? Or like boon? So the concept of sankalp is very powerful because it forces you to express exactly what you mean to say. It's an interesting spiritual exercise just, just by simply expressing your intention. It's very powerful, especially when the planets are here uh, with, you know, backing you up. But I was starting to say too, and September is kind of an interesting month as well, because the two business planets, that being Jupiter and Saturn, resume direct motion. 
you know, exterior business is doing better, you know, from a broad perspective. Although, how much of an improvement is that? I don't know, 8, 10, 12% improvement. You know, I do have to go back and say, you know, these are, you know, these are dire times. This requires full participation and, you know, the highest quality activity that we can come up with. We, you know, this is our, this could be our finest moment in the middle of, of this hellscape. I'm not by any stretch of imagination saying that things are super groovy by the end of September. Mercury is exalted in the first three weeks of September. Again, this has to do with communication, thinking, analyzing uh, in a practical way. October's the sun is debilitated. The sun is the planet of ego and self-identity. It's debilitated in uh, October when the sun is becoming more weak. So this says, in a certain way, I paraphrase myself since we all know each other so well now, I say, get over yourself. It says, you know, don't, don't be thinking you're so wonderful. Be, be modest. It's not about ego. I think somebody that we all know is quite a massive ego could benefit from that information. We'll see how that works out. I'm not going to get into political commentary except to say that in October, Venus is also debilitated in Virgo. So there's kind of a weak point there for relationships, maybe, or collaboration, or you know, dealing with your own social cohort between October 23rd and November 16th. It says, don't take it personally. Now, I know that's a broad idea, and I did want to introduce that very common sense idea earlier, much earlier. I could have started with that. These are strange and dire times. It's affecting everybody personally, but don't take it personally. We have a personal responsibility and a duty of care to each other, but to not take it too personally. In November, Jupiter and Pluto get together. Now, remember, Pluto is the planet of birth and death and rebirth. It's with the planet of expansion and elaboration. It says in a certain way that there's a real shakeup in, in major financial structures, especially between now and mid-November. Ooh, I, went, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I still have to express this. Simply don't spend money that you don't have to. There, look at what is really valuable. What you think is valuable now will not be valuable in mid-December. If you have any money to save, please do. I'm not saying that ominously. It's just that there's a lot of looting going on, isn't there? And I don't just mean on the streets of Portland or Seattle or wherever. There's going to become a you know financial issue. In mid-December, Jupiter will conjunct Saturn. Now, this happens every 20 years. We're already in the middle of that 20-year cycle. This is another inflection point where major institutions are contracting. You might legitimately say to yourself, well, how much more can we contract before we disappear? Well, I'm saying maintain your personal integrity. Keep your wits about you. Keep your, keep your eyes on the, your long-term outcome for you know when we do re-emerge from this this is you know kind of rough stuff here for a while at least as i mentioned previously uh, until the end of january until the end of january now there's also you might have read on your phone that there's comets in our solar system to abruptly change the topic the reason that we have this virus is because of the comets entering our solar system. There were already two comets that fizzled out before we could see them. And comets are known to take down heads of state. I'm not advocating one way or the other. I am simply 
as the little village astrologer saying, people in positions of power, there's a comet coming through the solar system, straighten up and fly right, or there'll be consequences. Uh, there's a whole history, even in our own modern history of, um, well, for instance, just for a fun one, Comet Kohutek back in 1973. I remember that vividly, standing on a bridge in dark sky with a pair of binoculars being awed and amazed by the Comet Kohutek. Shortly thereafter, Richard Nixon resigned. Well, now there's another comet in our solar system, Comet Neowise. Not a very romantic name. But, you know, I'm just presenting that as a freestanding idea. I'm not saying that the comet produces the effect, but we'll say it's a probable coincidence. What else could I contribute here? I don't want to fatigue your listeners with too many details. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I think that that's a really good place to to wrap it up for this time. I would like to encourage anybody who finds this to be interesting or intriguing to book a session with Charlotte. I can assure you, you will be expanded by the experience because she seems to have an ability to look at certain situations. And if it's your session, you can ask her specific information and also including your children. And, and you know, uh, sometimes I'll book a business session with Charlotte. Um, you can use this to form your dreams and your thoughts uh, with a little bit clearer intention, sort of precise. And uh, I'm delighted. I just, I'm delighted by you, Charlotte. You're just one in a million. And how do you, how do you show up? A typical uh, session, well, these days, everything is taking place over either Zoom or uh, Skype or phone, uh, if you like. I also look at corporate charts. That means charts that have a timestamp on them, uh, where and when they were incorporated. We look at the progress or lack of that. I've, I've recently had my second generation of clients where I'm looking at, you know, their kids' chart and saying, you know, what sh should I study law or should I, should I join a garage band? Amazingly, I am the president of the very best online college for studying astrology, the American College of Vedic Astrology. So I refer you to the acharyas that are there. The best way to reach me is through email, and I'll get to you as soon as I can. My email address is cb at charlottebenson.com. Traditional spelling, C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-B-E-N-S-O-N.com. I do have this information, and if you can benefit from it, that's a win-win situation for both of us. Oh, that's amazing, Charlotte. And then also in keeping with really nurturing the body and nourishing the body, um, I do want to give a mention to Deborah Garland, who's the founder of uh, Eternal Radiance Ayurveda. And she has a line of products. One of them is the Abhyanga oil. She creates from her garden a medically infused Ayurvedic massage oil. This is a, a self-massage practice that is one of the most nurturing, calming, nourishing, loving things you can do for your physical body. You have a dosha, a vata, pitta, kapha, and many of us are combinations. So if you find her online and reach out to her, um, you can find your dosha and get an oil sent to you. Um, and then also, I want to just mention Jennifer Ayers, an Ayurvedic practitioner. She's an amazing practitioner to get you on a program of eating and living in harmony with nature. Willowleaf at hotmail.com. 
willowleaf at hotmail.com. She also teaches Ayurveda. So for any of you that are interested in becoming an Ayurvedic practitioner, this is some of the oldest, most profound information that we have on planet earth to assist us in living more connected and more successful and triumphant lives. And so um, it's just an honor to share you, Charlotte, with everyone. And I hope you will come back on again. Maybe in January, we can have you come back on again and have another look at where we're standing. And so thank you for your service to humanity and your beautiful heart and just authentic wisdom that radiates from you. It's really a pleasure to know you. Oh, you are so generous. Right back at you, lady. Takes one to know one.